Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast for best shows on TV, and I'm Zach, and tonight we're talking about the Bastard Executioner. Um, this was episode 103, and the uh, title was Epigy Dwell, I'm not positive, it's D-D-E-L-W, uh, anyway, uh, this was the third episode, uh, like I said, 103, of the series. They did the first two, which was all combined in a two-hour kind of special. And this one was an hour and 16 minutes. Um, and to tell you what I thought, uh, man, let me tell you. I am a huge Kurt Suter fan, but man, he has tested my devotion with this show. Uh, this, I really, really struggled through it. It was just... Really, really, really tough to keep up with the whole extremely poor accents and verbiage and dialogue. Writing was just really, really tough. And the only positives about this show, and seems to be the only thing that I think people are hanging their hat on, is is the shock value of the episode. Uh, It's either, you know crazy violence or you know brutal violence or something epic like cutting the nose off a child or uh, even his typical you know uh, let's instead of having sex scene let's do it with twins and you know a creepy little doll and so on it just uh, just a lot of stuff that the only thing I think is keeping it interesting is just all right how much can we shock you know uh it's just it's 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 very disappointing. I'm uh, just really really struggled with the episode. I actually watched it twice to try to go back and see if I was missing things, um, if there was you know something that was appeal and I'm just not catching it. I'm just not I'm just not feeling the characters yet. I'm still going to continue watching it, um, and uh, I'm hoping just not punishing myself, but I'm really hoping for the hook to get set and instead of the wait 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 and then being disappointed. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at with the show. Because, um, I mean, when the show opens up, you know, it, they're trying to give you some, you know, some relatability, or not relatability, but they're trying to show you the weaknesses and strengths of every character. And it shows Brattle, you know, Lee Jones' character, you know, he can't, he's having a hard time coming to grips with what his new profession is he's having to hide to become. And, you know, of course, Honora, Katie Seagal's character is, you know, trying to give him guidance and get him through these things and give him tidbits of information. Um you know, and it's giving you that background. It's giving you that 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 ledge to stand on, so you can see where it's going. Um, I mean, it even showed it. You know, scenes of him as a young boy in a field battling back and forth, which I thought was cool. But what was funny about it was is that you know when he hit somebody with a stick, they 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 got hurt and they fell. Um, but the when he gets hit with a stick. It's not nearly as it's not nearly as effective, and almost like it doesn't even affect him. Um, and then it really stunned me when you see Kurt Suter in his, you know, looks like Otto, right off of Sons of Anarchy, uh, standing there in a suit, watching him, just nodding his head, uh, and it gives you that clue that okay, this guy's been watching Brattle since he was little. Um, evidently this was an orphanage and um, this is where he was dropped off and so it's giving you that intrigue and that mystery of that Brattle has a, a history and that he, maybe he has some kind of blood that relates to something and uh, this is all just a big farce to get him to do something we will find out later uh, is what it looks like or if, well, at least that's what I feel like is coming and if it's not then it seems like a waste of screen time um, 
but then you know you you notice later that Anora, okay, Skull's character, goes back to her cave or whatever it is, and she runs into Suter's now very <laughs> uh, disgusting-looking leopardess-looking self. Um, and you know, my understanding was is that his character was a dark mute. Uh, but then all of a sudden he starts talking, um, <laughs> which really kind of threw me off. I'm just kind of like, hmm. Uh, this didn't really follow the characterization that he gave in interviews or even what the sh- show describes as as, but, you know, I guess things are open for change. Um, and he discusses how, you know, hey, does he know what's going on? Is he confused? And like I said, there's an alternative motive and an overall plan here. And I'm wondering when that's going to come available for us to know. Probably not anytime soon, but, you know, that is some a little bit of things that are intriguing that make me want to see where this is going to go. Um, then it moves on through the show. It talks about, it shows a caravan and this guy doing sculpting. And I'm guessing this is a statue of the Baron. Uh, if, if it is great, it just, it didn't look like him a whole lot, but you know, that's just my, um, the, it is what it is. Um, the, the caravan carrying the statue comes along and a group of kids, um, there's three boys and a girl, and they wear this really, really weird um, makeup on the cheek. You know, it looked kind of, I mean, don't get me wrong, it looks childish, but if you were these are adolescent teens or, or something of that nature, then you'd think they would be a little different, you know, a little, I don't know, these kids just don't look scruffy, dirty, poverish, they look too clean, too perfect, and... The girl kind of fit the part, but the boys, no. Um, it just didn't. It just didn't jive right. I don't know if they're the missing detail. I can't tell you off the top of my head, but there's something missing. And um, of course, the girl gets captured, you know, and they take it away. The statue is busted a little bit, and faces and nose is taken up, which is symbolism for later. But um, then another shock value comes out of nowhere. They're missing one of the people, their comrades, and um, they uh, come upon him, and he is right there in the woods with a, I guess this is a dead deer beside him, but his body has been mutilated, and his arms and legs have been swapped around, um, and it's... uh, a really horrifying scene, I guess you could say. Uh, my wife saw it, and she's like, oh, I just can't watch this. I can't watch this. I can't watch it anymore. And, um, you know, and I thought, it's like, okay, this is Suter, you know, shock, intriguing. Is this going to have some probative value? Well, they go ahead and do this whole turn to gray, and they always give you the clue about the other commercial. Um, and then they don't come back to it for a little while. But when they do, it's Case, Goss, Carol, and Nora, and she mixes this fluid up with some blood and pours it on his mutilated chest and then all of a sudden she just sticks her hand down his mouth and pulls out this large snake which was very uh, CG and not very good CG at that um, and then she pulls a knife out and stabs it and you notice the, ni- the, the snake has two red little stripes on it never seen a snake look like that but I'm guessing it has some kind of significance and then it moves on again. You know, there's no detail, no dialogue, no nothing that tells you purpose, why, what. I guess you're just supposed to catalog these in your memory and, you, you know, and have it ready when we do see something that gives it meaningful. Uh, but, you know, that's where it's at. 
Um, then the Baroness decides that she wants to go down to the Sleepy Village after she's discussed, um, after she's met with this little girl and understands that, you know, based on her appearance, that where she's from and that they can determine things. I'm sorry. This Baroness, multiple times now, has just been Sherlock Holmes with either the appearance, what they're wearing, mannerisms or something to be able to pinpoint exactly where these people are from in a region based on these information you know one time yeah okay i can get that i i i can roll it a little bit i mean the first one was thinner than the second one um but you know her skin being of windblown and you know whatever other details she has tells her well it's got to be a fishing village and it's got to be here and all of a sudden they go straight there and immediately talk to the mother i don't know it was just so fast convenient you know like they don't even just talk to anybody else or there's no evaluation of anything they just happen to go right up onto the, the mother's missing him um i don't know it just I think some more detail and time and effort can be put into these situations to give it more plausibility instead of trying to move the plot forward um, in amount of time. I mean, you're already taking an episode to an hour and 16 minutes. Why are we having to rush through plot point after plot point after plot point to get stuff in in this time frame? You know, if you would spend more time on getting better acting, better writing, um give it the details and the foundations for each part to make it plausible, then you can enjoy this more. And I think that's the thing. We're rushing. I think he's got a lot of material he's trying to get in, and he feels like there's a pace he has to maintain, and I think it's making the show suffer greatly. Um, The Baroness wants to know who the wolf is. This is the first time that I've really kind of locked in on the idea of wolf. I guess this is the person who's the leader of the rebellion. Um, Unless I'm missing details, this is something new to me. Uh, and then, of course, they know the you know Brattle notices a boy who was getting spatted at. He goes up there and talks to him, and relatively easily gets him to confess where weapons are. Uh, it's just uh, yet again, it was easy. It was convenient. It didn't really get into the harsh levels. It didn't really get to where it needed to be to make that boy have the fear. I mean. Uh, it just it's just lacking, and you know the the way they're shooting this episode, and the way they've shot all three of them. To be honest with you, everything is just so bright. It's like they always film in the middle of the day, and if you were trying to make something depressing and here and uh, dreary and intimidating or fearful, I think you would make things a little grainy or darker or have more shadow and more effects from above down or below up or something that's going to give that person a high contrast compared to this ultra bright scenario that we have every time we're watching the show um i just i'm just not impressed with how they're doing the the camera the cinematography um just the overall layout it just seems very very amateur, uh, and that's the part that just is baffling me, um, and it's unfortunate. Um, you know, and then the Baroness decides to leave this area and is heading back, and they get attacked. They get attacked by the rebels, um, and in this scene, which was actually done pretty well because of the way they did some things, you know, the the knights and the the Grand Advisor and uh, Bridal and stuff, you know. 
they they have good sword play. There's good there's good action scenes. There's good swords going through somebody's chest and cutting them throat and the torch. But one of the cool scenes was is, is the preacher, the man of cloth, um, has a, a a nice short sword, you know, in his uh, wrist or up his sleeve, pulls it out and does this uh, prison shank m- maneuver a few times <laughs> to a bad guy or two, you know, three or four stabs in a vital area and down they go. Um, it was good to see that because uh, the actor's name I can't I can't lose it. I know it's Murphy's in it. He, he is phenomenal. He needs to be a main character. He needs to be a badass. And that uh, him being just a man of cloth in his way he is was a was a huge mistake. And so to see this and and then to have a conversation later definitely gives you that he has a background and a past that has some brutality. And that gives you that opportunity and that thirst for this to material into something really, really good and a prominent character for the show. So I'm really looking forward to that. And so these are those little parts of the show that give it that, okay, i got to keep watching so I can see how this goes. And uh, so that that was a real positive in the situation. The, the whole battle scene looked pretty good. Um, and which, that, that's what it should do because that's what he's known for. Um, well, the they get back to town. The Baroness decides to talk to Brattle again, and she hands him this letter and says, "Hey, here's my decision." You know, after the advisor tells her that you know you don't need to look weak, you need to handle this, especially because we've got an attack. And you know, in your mind, you're thinking, "Okay, yeah, I guess she does have to succumb to the understanding that she has to be strong as well as fair, but you have to actually be strong." and uh, when she hands him this paper and his reaction goes by, you know, you immediately think, okay, well, that means he has to kill her. And I'm thinking, wow, is Kurt Suter about to show an execution of a little girl? Um, there are some lines you don't cross, and I just don't know if you show that. I mean, don't get me wrong, he has shown a little boy get his throat cut. Um, but, you know, I guess there is that just that little extra element of really, you know, you really got to go that far with a, uh, with a young female character. Um, and so there was a kind of a heart thump of, mm, wow, are we really going to go there? Is it really going to go past the line? Is FX really going to let this go? And so from that point forward, I was excited to see how this episode was going to go because you know you weren't going to get left hanging on a cliff on this. Um, and it's just as much as my excitement is happening, it immediately gets diluted and shut down because of the vision he sees of his dead wife. And then him turning and his little piece of paper in his hand turns into one of the worst looking CG snakes that wraps around his throat and then he throws it off. It was, it was really tough. I mean, it really, it really brought me down off a high. Uh, and I am really curious, what are they thinking with this? I mean, I'd rather have a prosthetic or dummy snake wrapped around than what they were doing on this scene. This is the second time, you know, basically almost in a row, that we've had a CG effect that was a complete letdown. Um, whoever's doing these CG effects, uh, shame on you. I mean, really. Um, it started off a little strong with the snake with it coming up and slithering. The lighting was right. It didn't look like, but as soon as you see this face and these green eyes that look like somebody glued, you know, doll's eyes on a black, stu- you know, stuffed sock, uh, it, it was a, it was a huge letdown, huge, huge letdown. Um, but luckily 
luckily, you know, the, the episode started ending strong. Um, Anora and Kurt Suter's character, the Dark Mute, are back in the cave. And you notice this enormous collection of these black snakes with red stripes on them. Um, adding more to the curiosity, intrigue, and mystery of what was the purpose of these snakes. Uh, this man's mutilated body that she removed the snake from earlier. Is there some kind of dark force or something that's, uh, you know, a yin and a yang compared to her or something of that nature that is, you know, going to be something to deal with later. Uh, and so that was kind of interesting. And there was even a little part there where she comes upon that um, a black guy who is uh, doing a religious and evidently has something to do with the Quran, you know, as a Muslim. And she says, I didn't know how to take this. Was this an effort to make a slight at the show or a religious slight or is there anything motivated by it? So I'm really curious to see why why bring that into the table. So what is that going to equate to later in this show to bring that up now? And so that does kind of pique the curiosity, but not really in a good way. It's almost like I'm expecting them to make that a mistake later by showing that. So we'll see. Um, so basically we've got about 10 minutes left in the show and we have our public execution scene um, the little girl is given a little cocktail that Honora gave uh, Brattle uh, you can definitely tell she's woozy and not all there uh, but they put her down and this marshal grabs her and holds her down and pulls her hair back and I'm like oh wow they're going to slice her throat I mean, I mean he's really going to do this and I leaned up in my seat and going, I don't know if I can watch this. You know, I have a daughter myself. And I just don't see this. And I can't believe this Baroness is doing it. And then all of a sudden he takes this this curved blade and straight takes her nose off. And I'm talking, wow. My jaw was open. Uh, I was blown away. And this is why I like Kirk Suter. I did not expect this 100 at all. It was a complete blindside. It makes total sense. And then to add the effect of him picking the nose up after. Uh, and, you, you know, when he makes the slice, you see the, like, the remnants of the holes that are created, you know. And it was brutal. But it was awesome. Uh, you know, I hate it for the girl. Luckily, we know it's fake. But, you know, to disfigure her like that, you know, Wow. Wow, you know, and so there you go. Kudos to the show for doing something new, something fresh, something different. I just hate that the rest of the show, all hour of it, is a constant battle to try to stay in the show because of this hideous, I mean hideous, accents the people, some of the actors are trying to, especially Katie Seagal. She is my biggest disappointment in this show is that the accent she is trying to portray and the proper and all that stuff is just so tough to stomach. Uh, and anybody who's saying that they are enjoying what she's saying and how she's doing in the dialogue, wow. You know, I, I hate to say that I am just completely other than the boat, but I am. I think it's just a travesty for what I think is one of the better female actresses I think she was phenomenal in Sons of Anarchy. I think she was overlooked several times for awards. Um, she, if anything, she cut that show together. And 
I really hate that this is not a part that she's being able to excel in, in my opinion, which is just my opinion, don't get me wrong, but the reviews I'm reading and the things I'm hearing from even our own fan base is that they're struggling. Um, there are a few out there that just love it, but you know, even they say here and there is tough. But I think the vast majority is is fifty fifty on you know this show. So it's it's kind of where we're at here too as Bleed TV. So um, you know, there was a couple minutes left in the show, and of course you get the gratuitous you know advisor sex scene with the twins, um, and then and of course it wraps with the the dinner you know, conversation with the soldiers and. Uh, you know, making vows and him basically looking at the man he believes is the reason, you know, his wife's dead is kind of like, you know, what he's going to do. And then the show wraps, which is very uncharacteristic. Usually you would think it would want to end on the, you know, where the execution was. But considering the first two episodes back to back ended that way, I guess he didn't want to be uh, redundant. But. Overall, out of a 10 star, you know, or 10 point rating like that, I'm still right there at a 5 5. You know, and some parts of me thinks that's generous. And I mean, uh, it's just so many things can do, little things can be done that I think would greatly improve the show um, and are more Kurt Suterish um, than what is going on now. And so, uh, I'm really hoping this picks up and improves and gets back to where his typical is and we can move forward happy, hunky, and hunky-dory, whatever you would call it, uh, and excited and locked into some characters and uh, really, really feeling the show. And so that's what I'm hoping comes down the pike. Right now, I'm just not feeling it and um, praying for better. But guys, like I said, I'm gonna keep this short, sweet. Like the shows, I mean, there's not a whole lot of detail other than I don't want to be just sit here and bash it. It just it's got a lot of room for improvement. Um, but uh, we're gonna keep rolling with it for now and um, keep podding on it and send us your feedback. Um, I, I know you know when I look at iTunes and Stitchers, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of fan play or pod for the Bass Executioner, and I know we're one of the few. Um, if you're one of those people who's in it and you're a Kurt Sooner fan or you or you just hate the show or whatever, um, still, send me send me an email, send me a tweet, send me something that lets me know what you're thinking about the show, where you think it can improve, what, or why you think it's amazing, and what am I missing. I'd love to put it in the next episode. Anything of that nature, we'd greatly appreciate it. Um, the email here is uh, bleedtvpodcast at gmail.com, as well as we're on Twitter at at Bleed TV Podcast. We do have a website. It's bleedtv.podbean.com. Um, and, of course, we have a Facebook page, which we do most of our blogging and conversation with. So, uh, other than that, guys, hit us up. You know, subscribe to us on Stitcher, Podcatchers, uh, iTunes, any of those. And if you got time for a positive review, we'd greatly appreciate it. But other than that, I'm going to call tonight, and uh, we'll see you next week.